Well, it's good to see you this morning. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And now we uh, are looking forward to the Christmas season. Amen? And it's going to be an incredible blessing. If you've been with us and you know where we're at, we uh, will be in John chapter 10. And uh, we've been uh, in John's gospel for quite some time. And we've got quite a long while to be here. But we just want to say welcome today. And we are glad that you are here. What's so good about the Good Shepherd? What's so good about the Good Shepherd? Now, you think about Scripture and you think about those in Old Testament, New Testament that were shepherds. You think about Abraham. Abraham was a shepherd. You think about Moses. Moses was a shepherd. You think about uh, uh, David. David was a shepherd. And, And all throughout the history of the Bible, you see shepherds. And uh, the shepherds in the, the Middle East were very different from the shepherds that are in other places like New Zealand and Australia and other places like that. And in fact, I read a story about a shepherd that was in New Zealand. New Zealand. They drive their sheep. They don't lead their sheep. And uh, he had two sheepdogs, and he named his sheepdogs Goodness and Mercy. And the reason, he said, they'll follow me all the days of my life. And that's an allusion to the 23rd Psalm. Now, in the New Testament, we have shepherds that aren't such good shepherds. We have the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the spiritual leaders, that are not leading the nation as they should. And Jesus is going to deal with them, and he does deal with them quite often in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels that we see him dealing with them in. But also, uh, if you were to take a tour to Israel today, and you were to go through on one of the bus tours, and uh, on the bus tours they'll always have a guide, and he'll be telling everything about the history of, of the area. And if they see a shepherd, they'll always say a shepherd in the Middle East always leads their sheep. They never drive their sheep. And uh, it's one particular bus tour, though. They saw uh, what appeared to be a shepherd driving the sheep. And he said, well, what about that man out there? And so he said, stop the bus. He ran out there, and they, of course they were talking in Hebrew, and after they finished, he came back and he said, I'm still right. He said, that's not a shepherd, that's the butcher. <laughs> he was driving them to the slaughter. But in the New Testament, Jesus describes a good shepherd. And today I want to talk about what's so good about the good shepherd. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and we will start in verse 10, and we'll go down to verse number 21. Jesus says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling, and he does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, 
and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings, and many of them said, He is a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you today so grateful that we have a good shepherd that leads us. And Father, we just desire to be the sheep of your pasture. And we desire, Father, to be led by you in all ways, that your spirit may direct our lives and that we may become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray today that you would open our eyes to understand why you are the good shepherd. And Father, help us to serve you, to love you, to make a difference eternally for you. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. And all the people said, Amen. Well, there are seven I am statements in the Gospel of John. And Jesus says here, I am the good shepherd. And he is sharing something very intimate about himself. And John's Gospel, he has these seven I am statements all describing who he is, but all going back to the Old Testament, to, to the ego I, the I am God said, when Moses said, well, when I go to Egypt, who do I say sent me? They said, tell them I am. And these I am statements we have over and over in the Gospel. But there are four things I want to point out today about the Good Shepherd. The first one is the Good Shepherd knows his sheep. Look at verse 14. In verse 14 it says these words, I am the Good Shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. So he said, I am the Good Shepherd and I know my sheep. Now, it's wonderful to have your name called. It's wonderful when you come to someone and they call you by name. In fact, when you think of Jesus being a shepherd of sheep, think about it in this capacity. It's amazing how a person, a human being, can get so attached to an animal, isn't it? But there can be this incredible bonding between a dog or a cat or whatever your, the animal uh, preference may be. But there's this incredible bonding that takes place. And Jesus said, that's the same thing that happens with me. I bond with my sheep because I know them and I love them and I care for them. Now we read last week about Jesus being the good shepherd who would call his sheep by name. He knew them just like he knows us. And you think about it like this. Uh, farmers. If you run cattle or sheep or goats or whatever you have, most farmers will tell you, we don't name our animals because that animal may end up on the dinner table. And it's pretty hard to eat Bob or George or whomever you may call it. And uh, I read the story about uh, these, these uh, two kids and their dad bought, a tur bought two turkeys. And they were going to raise those turkeys, and they were going to have one for Thanksgiving and one for Christmas. But they made the mistake, or the, the daughter made the mistake, of calling them Ike and Tina Turkey. <laughs> and guess what? Ike and Tina never did get eaten. They stayed on the farm until they died on the farm. So a farmer knows not to name their 
their animal or a pet. But I did read the story of uh, Deborah and Otis Boyd, who did name their three steers they were going to eat. They named one T-Bone, named one Ribeye, and they named the third one Roast. So they didn't have a problem with that apparently. But most people don't name their pets that they're going to eat. Now, it's interesting uh, to know that God knows our name. And that's so, so intimate when you call somebody by name. And often when I'm out in public because my memory banks are getting a little fuzzy and clouded and I can't recall names of everyone like I used to. And in fact, someone will say, hey, are you, how are you, Brother John? And I can't call their name. And that's highly embarrassing. You ever had that happen to you? The older you get, the more often it will happen. And you'll be thinking, I know that person, but for the life of me, I can't call their name. But it's good to know that the Good Shepherd always knows our name and calls us by our name. That's an incredible blessing to know that God knows our name. And He wants us to be the sheep of His pasture. He loves us that much. You see, everlasting life isn't just in the length that it is, but everlasting life is knowing God. It is having that intimate, personal relationship with the Lord. And He knows our name. The question is, do you know Him? Because He knows your name. And He wants you to be the sheep of His pasture. The second thing that I find in our text is this. The Good Shepherd cares for His sheep. He doesn't only know them, but He takes care of His sheep. In John 10, what the passage we just read, there are three characters identified. And, uh, and, and we have them here. The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, that, the thief is a metaphor for Satan. And that's his responsibility to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's what he wants to do to your life. He wants to take everything that you have and make it his own. Because he knows he's a defeated foe. But then it also talks that Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I've given everything that I have. And then there's a next character. So we have the good shepherd, we have the thief, and then we have in verse 12 and 13, it says, but a hireling. He who is not the shepherd, in other words, he doesn't own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and get, scatters them. The hireling flees. Here's why. Because he is a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. So the responsibility of a good shepherd is one that cares about their sheep. They care deeply, intimately for their sheep. But the New Testament spiritual leaders did not care for the sheep. All they cared about were flocking, flogging the sheep. They, were, they cared about rules and, and regulations, but they didn't care intimately about the sheep. And, and it goes back to chapter 9. Because remember back in chapter 9, we had this blind man that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And what did they do? I mean, here's a man who had not seen, and now he sees. And what did they do? I can't believe you healed this man on the Sabbath. You can't be a God. And, and it follows through here. They were not the good shepherd. They were hirelings, if you will. And uh, they claimed to be shepherds. They claimed to be good. They claimed to care about the people. But they would not fight for the people. And they weren't dying for the people. Listen, the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's how much God loves us. In fact, the Bible talks about us 
as being owned by God in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, it says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You ever said or heard someone say these words? It's my body. I'll do with it what I wish. You ever heard that? I can, I can do whatever I want. It's mine. As believers, what we have to say is, it's not mine. It's his. It's his. And therefore, I can't do whatever I want. What I need to do is what God would have me to do. So I need to fully surrender to him. And... Uh, He's the head. We're not the head. Now think about it. If God knows when a sparrow falls to the ground and he has every hair on your head numbered, don't you think he cares about you? I mean, he cares about you so very much. And what we need to understand, and I love that, that line from that old song, if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches me. I love that song. Now, read the story of this uh, pastor telling a, about his one of his parishioners that was uh, in a city, and his parishioner was about his age, and they were in a prayer group together, and, and they were in their 30s, and, and, and uh, this man, this businessman, got more and more successful and it pulled him away further and further from church and further and further from his family and, and he wasn't spending as much time in prayer, wasn't spending as much time in fellowship wasn't spending as much time with his family he was pursuing his business, his business was thriving and then he had a heart attack and he was in ICU and his pastor went to visit with him and uh, he said pastor, now I know what that verse means and his pastor said, what, what verse are you talking about? He said, that verse of the 23rd Psalm where it says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He said, I understand it now. The Lord had to put me on my back to get me to look back up at Him. Because I was so busy doing my own things and putting everything before the Lord. And the Lord put me on my back to get my attention. And now... I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better churchman. I'm going to be a better disciple. It changed his priorities. And sometimes success in the world can be failure in our spiritual life because we can start pursuing the wrong things. And, and we find that passion. And, 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 and we lose our passion for Christ. The Lord says, listen, I know you. I'm the good shepherd. I know you. The Lord says, listen, I'm the good shepherd. I care for you. I care for you spiritually, physically, every way. Thirdly, the good shepherd also seeks his sheep. Now, in this passage, there's a verse that has been highly controversial. And a lot of people have struggled with this verse. Some bizarre interpretations have come out of this one verse. Jesus mentions sheep of another pasture, another fold. And people have come with all these crazy ideas. Let me read it, verse 16. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. Now... <laughs> 
I know it sounds bizarre, but some people say, well, he's talking about aliens, people on other planets. And no, 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 no. Some say, well, the, the Mormons will say he's talking about the native Indians and, and those who have become Mormons. No, 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 no. Jesus first came for the Jews, right? And they rejected primarily. And then he said there are other sheep that are not of this Jewish fold. Guess who they are? All of us Gentiles. We are Gentiles. And, and he brings the Gentiles in with the Jews. And that's what, when Paul was talking about the mystery, that's what he's talking about is the church. That's the other sheep. Us. Now, in John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, here's what, here's what Jesus primarily came first for. He came to his own. Jesus was a Jew. He came to the Jews, and his own, the Jews, did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. That's the, that's the mystery. That is the church. And Jesus is the good shepherd, and he came to lay down his life for us. Listen, the Christian faith started with 120 people in an upper room after Jesus had resurrected and ascended back to the Father. 120 people are gathered there, and they are praying together. And guess what? They are all Jews. All of them. All 120 but then 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost came and gave their life to Christ from all walks of life. And from that 120 people, worldwide now, it's estimated there are 2.2 billion Christians. Wow. Different tongues, different nationalities, different continents, and, and they've, they've come to Christ, and, and we are all one foe. We are the sheep of His pasture. We are His, and He is the good shepherd. Do you know, I was reading, and, and, and this, this amazed me, and uh, in 2019, so I can't speak about today, but in 2019, do you know where the most rapid growing church in the world was and may still be the Republic of Iran. Yeah. Their underground church. And here's the here, here's the cue, guys. Listen to this. Sixty percent of the underground church in Iran are women. What does that tell you? <laughs> women. Who were the first at the tomb? The women. Men, we need to step up. We need to be men of God. We need to take the reins of responsibility and say, listen, I will lead. But He knows our name. He cares for us. He seeks His sheep. Remember the story? He left the 90 and 90 and went after how many? One. One. Why? Because He loves His sheep and when he finds them they rejoice fourthly and lastly today is this the good shepherd saves his sheep before David was king 
David was a shepherd, remember? He was just a little shepherd boy. But he was willing to lay down his life for the sheep. In fact, in 1 Samuel, we have these words spoken. 1 Samuel, let's go to that passage real quick if we can. There we go. But David said to Saul, now David had come and uh, Eliab, his older brother, had come to, come to bring them food and they said, why are you here? Why aren't you home taking care of the sheep? And David said, is there not a cause? That's when Goliath would come out every day and challenge an Israelite. David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and I struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So David said, let me fight Goliath. And that's exactly what he did. And there was a singer, he, he died a year or two ago. His name was Carmen. And uh, I, when I was pastoring church at Viola, I got a call from a friend of mine from Marmaduke. And he used to be our pastor here, and as Brother Porter. And Brother Porter said, would you come and preach one Sunday for me? I said, sure. So I went down, Sandy and I went down, and, and, and we went to the church, and, and there was nobody there at the time. We got the doors unlocked. We went in, wandering around, and I, we walked into this room, and I saw a silhouette. Of, I thought, oh, my gosh, there's somebody in here in the dark. Flipped on the lights, and it was a, a full-size cutout of Carmen. <laughs> Now, some of you may not know who Carmen is, but he, he was, back in the 80s and 90s, he was very popular. And he had this little song. He said, Little David must have been in his teens when he faced Goliath of the Philistines. He was armed with just a slingshot and some stones. Well, Goliath was a giant and as strong as a tank. And when he looked at men, their stomachs sank. And there was little David all alone. But with faith in God, he flung that stone. And much to their surprise, he nailed that monster with a rock that nailed him between the eyes. Then he decapitated his fallen foe to make sure that he was dead and showed everyone that he was someone who really knew how to get ahead. <laughs> and I thought that was an interesting song back then, and I hadn't thought about it in a long time until I was preparing for this message. But David was a mighty warrior, but also he was a shepherd prior to being a warrior because he was willing to give up his life for his father's sheep. But I want you to understand something. He could give up his life, but he couldn't take it up again. Only Jesus said, I can give up my life and I can take it down. I can lay it down and I can take it back up. And Jesus was willing to die for his sheep. But here's the thing. There were many times that the, the Pharisees and Sadducees picked up rocks to stone him, but it wasn't his time, and it wasn't his place, and Jesus just walked through the crowd, and there was nothing they could do about it. He said, I lay down my life. You don't take it from me. I have the time and the place, and it will be the perfect time and the perfect place. Jesus wasn't a martyr dying for a cause. Jesus was a Savior dying for the world. And he gave up his life that we might live. In John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, John says these words, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming. 
And he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And every single day we should just be so grateful that he took our sins away. He would go to the cross completely in control of his own destiny. No one took his life. He willingly laid his life down. And he did it at the only time that it could happen, and that was during Passover, because he was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world who would give mankind hope and life. And when he said, I, I could pick it up again, you know what he's talking about? His resurrection. I can lay it down, but I can pick it up again. You know, I, I, would, I would give up my life for my spouse, children, grandchildren, you know, close family members. But I couldn't take it up again. I could lay it down. But he laid his life down, but then he also took it back up again. It's talking about the resurrection. And the resurrection affirmed the work of Jesus as the Son of God without sin, perfect. Now, you could say his resurrection validated his life and his ministry. Think about it like this. If Jesus had have never died upon the cross and rose from the dead, we would be the most miserable of all peoples because we would be hopeless. Life would be meaningless. We would live and we would die and that would be that. The old hymn that we sang, Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because we know that life is worth the living just because, say it with me, He lives. He lives. Sheep need a shepherd. And remember last week I said sheep are dumb. Not intellectually, spiritually. Are you a sheep of his pasture? If not, why not? And why not today? Why not today? If he's calling, you come. Amen? Let's bow. Father in heaven, I do pray for your will. And I pray, Father, that we would understand how much you care for us. How much you seek us.